Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Great America Podcast with Lou Dobbs, always in the fight for truth, justice, and yes, our American way of life. And now, here he is, the Peabody Award-winning voice of truth, the great Lou Dobbs. Hello, everybody, and thanks for being with us for this edition of the Great America Show. In the early days of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, we could all feel the effects of the fog of war, the difficulties of knowing what is actually happening on the ground in Ukraine, in the cities, and the capital of Kiev. In addition to the fog of war and combat, there are the offensive undertaken in psychological and disinformation warfare, and Ukraine is the battleground for it all. We do have some developments that are verifiable. The Russians have killed hundreds of Ukrainians in their assault, and Ukrainians are fighting the aggressors, the invaders, and inflicting more casualties than anyone had expected in the Western media, at least. Reports that more than 3,000 Russian troops have been killed, that the Ukrainians are, in fact, putting up one hell of a fight, in fact, repelling the initial Russian offensive on Kiev and well-organized and ready to engage what the Ukrainians know will be a strong second offensive. And also, defense and military analysts say that while the Russians aren't bogged down in their assault, in their invasion of Ukraine, the Ukrainians have blunted the Russian attacks to this point and are slowing the Russians. They are now moving much slower than had been expected, which may or may not be part of the explanation for the rumored Putin decision to participate in talks with the Ukrainians, to send a delegation to talk with Ukrainian representatives if they so choose. But all of that is only rumor, the fog of war, remember? But the Ukrainians' unexpectedly strong defense of their homeland is fact, a stubborn fact, a big obstacle to Putin's desire to rebuild the Soviet Union. To take up all of this, we have with us the former National Security Advisor to Vice President Mike Pence. Keith Kellogg is a retired three-star general, formerly Chief of Staff and Executive Secretary of the National Security Council. General, it is great to have you with us. What do you make of it all? Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I understand President Xi of China is pushing this as, as well to make sure that it goes. You know, I, a little bit of this is tongue-in-cheek. I'd probably send somebody else than... Uh, then uh, Zelensky going only because I remember I'm old enough to remember when the Hungarians after the uh, Soviets went back into Hungary and Budapest when they went to negotiate the leaders were all killed I said you know I remember that pretty well still so I said okay but it's yeah but now taking out the old tongue in cheek the answer is probably a good idea and I'm glad they're doing that what it is telling me though Lou is that Putin has not achieved his, his objectives and then he's got a problem. He's overreached, it looks like. They're fighting hard. He knows the Ukrainians don't support him, will not support a rump government. He doesn't have the forces yet 
to go beyond the Dnieper River in the eastern part of Ukraine. So he, it'll be really hard to occupy that country. Uh, and I'm going to be, you know, very simple as I can be. I said, if I was Putin and this hell happens and they go to talks, I'd double my bodyguards. Uh, simply because I don't think the military, the oligarchs, will support this. They'll have extended themselves with all the penalty that comes with it. Uh, they have so far been stunningly unsuccessful uh, at what their original objectives were. And part of that, very candidly, Lou, is is he pulled his punches, Putin did. I think Putin thought it was going to be an easy rollover, uh, and mm-hmm. it's not. Uh, you know, there's an old saying... Uh, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight and dog. Well, I think he bit off a lot, and I think this is not going as well as he he realized, and uh, Ukrainians are very proud people, and they're fighting. And, I, this, and Zelensky, uh, unlike Ghani, who left Afghanistan with a lot of money and got out of there, right. is willing to stand and fight uh, in Ukraine, in Kiev, and i got to give him a lot of credit for that. So that was a long answer Absolutely. to your short question. I think this is bad for Putin. No, it's, it's, it's a great answer. Uh, it is also a difficult thing to imagine that the Ukrainians, the way that they were described to us by our own um, uh, politicians in the White House, uh, you didn't, I think most of us didn't expect them to have uh, a will to fight, uh, certainly not anything like what they have put up so far. And I, so the Russians, I think, understandably, I guess, could have been surprised. They had obviously infiltration throughout Ukraine because they knew where their targets were and they hit those targets. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, you're absolutely right. You know, if I when they lined up all those forces, he's not fighting the typical Russian way that I fight. Example, usually they they did it in Georgia and they did it in uh, in Crimea as well you get hit with a massive cyber attack. You wouldn't see Zelensky on television. You wouldn't see the lights on in downtown Kiev. You wouldn't see a lot of things because of the simple cyber attacks on all your institutions. And then you mass, and then you use massive force. He's only used about one-third of his military. He didn't use any cyber. And he's going to pay the price for that because now he's lost the initiative and lost the momentum. He's not fighting the typical way that he is out of the textbook Russian way of fighting, and he's going to pay a price for it. And, and that's what I meant about it. he's lost momentum, because right. by doing that now, he's trying to reinforce, but he's lost the visuals. And a lot of things uh, are based on the visuals that you see, and, uh, and the entire world is going now, oh boy, they're putting up a heck of a fight. You see that is, that is a constant drumbeat of what you see across the wire. He, you know, he's overextended himself, Putin meaning. And uh, he, he's not succeeding. They didn't do first day objectives. So everything you say is correct. He had everything masked to do it. He didn't fight the way he should have. If I was a military commander, I would have told him, you're making a mistake by doing this. He did it. That was his call. And I think now uh, he didn't think the, he underestimated the Ukrainians. And I think um, he's going to pay a price for it. But you're absolutely right. Uh, it's going to be really tough to reinforce and keep the momentum going now. And those talks, do you believe this is a ruse? Do you think he is sincere? Uh, and you know, what really are his objectives? It seems like at this point, he has certainly his new republics, uh, Luhansk uh, uh, and the other province are now republics, at least in the minds of the Russians. But now he's reached to Kiev. Uh, it's a very difficult situation. Uh, it, it seems like a smart poker bet 
uh, to, to uh, go to these talks and to take what you can get. That is what he really wanted, a, a partition, uh, what it seemed he wanted, a partition of Ukraine uh, with Russian speakers on one side and the Ukrainians, traditional Ukrainians on the other. Do you think that's still acceptable or what he would accept? I think if it was Putin, I think he's trying to find a way out of this. But Zelensky's been hard. Zelensky has said Ukraine is Ukraine. You know, they're not the separate republics that you see out there. It's not Crimea. And, and we've got to give credit to Zelensky. And the West has said they agree with Zelensky, but they won't do anything about it. It's like, yeah, yeah, we know that Crimea is still part of Ukraine, but, but oh, uh, you know, go sit in the corner and don't do anything. Zelensky will be is a very very tough is which is amazing to me because you know nobody thought that of him but he's been pretty tough about it so what I would do is I would send interlocutors to have a meeting to first find out because I don't trust Putin I trust Putin about as far as I can throw the Empire State Building which ain't real far and right. I, and I would say look let's find out what your negotiation positions are here's what I would also like to have happen though I, if I was America and I'd say look you've got to get this guy out of there meaning. Zelensky. I know he wants to stay and fight and potentially die, but he has now become a symbol. And and you want to get him to a position where if he has to, he can stand up a rump government and be a real thorn in the side. If you have to go goes to the West and, and go to Lviv or someplace like that, stay within the country to protect him. I said, you know, this guy's too valuable now to, to be lost because I'm concerned that Putin will try to capture Kiev, uh, decapitate the government, and put him in a cell next to Navalny. And, and I don't think that would be good to do this. So I don't trust Putin. I'd send an interlocutor. And I think we, the pressure is starting to build on Putin. You know, remember that Zelensky didn't come up with this idea. The Chinese did and the Russians did. So he's got a little bit of advantage now when I play it. Well, I think in terms of foreign policy and geopolitics uh, and a changing world order, this would be quite a stroke if he and Xi Jinping have worked out a deal to end it here, take what he's got, that is uh, Eastern uh, Ukraine, uh, and call it good, uh, which would satisfy, I think, uh, just about anybody, yeah. uh, whether European or Russian or, or, or American. But because, really, uh, Xi Jinping then becomes the dominant force globally. He and his new strategic ally, of Vladimir Putin. No, no, I think you're exactly right. You're 100% right. The big winner on this, if you looked at it, will be Xi. And and I've always said that I think our, our greatest adversary is not Russia. Our greatest adversary, that's a growing adversary, is China, both economically, both militarily, politically, diplomatically. All of this is our biggest adversary. And Xi comes out and see, I can do this. And, and oh, by the way, President of the United States, you can't. I can make this deal work. And that may be part of the deal where she looks at Putin and said, look, I came to give, you know, we locked arms on this deal going forward. And I mean, if they could pull this off, it would be a huge coup. It would be an embarrassment to the United States. It would be an embarrassment to NATO. You know, and, and the sanctions are, you know, I'm a big believer too, Lou. I'm very honestly that and there's there's two bodies of thoughts on it. And my body of thought happens to be that sanctions don't really work. They've been prepared for them for a long time. I agree time. with you. They can go. They can. Uh, they can be offset, and and they were not that hard sanctions anyway. You saw the our American stock market really rise when they realized how weak the sanctions were. We just look stupid. Right. And to not to not remove Russia from SWIFT, the uh, the international financial information clearinghouse that is critical to the uh, to trade and uh, the export of their oil, is mindless. 
and to not ask the United States to, to not import more of their oil while we are sanctioning them, th this administration looks like utter damn fools. Your thoughts? No, I absolutely right. I, I, I when I heard the, his the president's speech last night, I said, "Boy, this is really hard when you got hit with a wet noodle." And he's going to, and and you know, he's going to Putin's going to blow it off. I think, and this is disappointing, but there is no relationship between Biden and Putin, and Putin doesn't like Biden. He doesn't trust Biden, and Biden is part of the problem in the sense that he looked at Putin and he said to Putin, "You're a man who has no soul." Uh, he's he's to belittle him, and Putin doesn't you know like that. The one thing about President Trump is President Trump understood who he was dealing with when he had an adversary. I don't care if it was Putin or if it was Kim Jong Un or if President Xi. He knew how to work with him, and he thought, okay, I'm going to keep the dialogue going. But you've got right. you know two now leaders of, of major nuclear powers, and they're not even talking to each other because there's no no respect and no like, and that is going to cause us problems because try to pick up the phone. Uh, to call Putin if Biden is, and he may take it, but he's going to get blown off. So we're operating from real disadvantage. The guy that was really making some headway was Macron of France, and we've abrogated our leadership responsibility, and I blame that on President Biden. But Biden is further exposed for what he is, and that is inept and weak. Uh, the United States uh, is exposed for what it is, uh, detached and uh, unengaged, uh, and by the way, with the state of our current military, I am delighted that is the case because we need time to rebuild and to retrain our military leadership to replace it in point of fact. And I'd like to get your comment on this as we close here. Uh, and, and NATO and Germany particularly uh, exposed for what they are, weak, feckless and dependent. Yeah. Your thoughts? Yeah, you, you know, Louis, I've been a big, I used to hammer NATO a lot when I was with President Trump and to make the comments. I said, look, when the end of this is done, when it's all, you know, complete, I think we just need to look uh, and realigning NATO. Here's what I mean is everybody knows Article 5, our attack on one is attack on all. I mean, I think, you know, third graders can say that in their sleep. Yeah. Article 5, Article 5. People forget there's Article 3. In Article 3, I call it the funding article. He required to maintain both individual and collective defense based on the agreements. And they had the Wales Declaration. The Wales Declaration in 2014, signed by Chancellor Merkel of Germany, said they would, everybody would agree within 10 years to have 2% GDP spent on defense, of which was that 20% modernization. Only one-third of the nations of NATO do that. And I'd say, okay, a deal is a deal is a deal. Germany, you're probably one of the worst offenders of this. If if you don't put 2% in, then Article 5 doesn't apply. You are a secondary member of NATO and force everybody to do that. I used to, you know, I remember when I was in, stationed in Germany years and years ago, Germany had a 500,000-man army, and it was feared. I used to, you know, kind of tongue-in-cheek say, you want to scare the Soviets, now the Russians arm the Germans because they always seem to march east. And I said, but right now, even there was an article just the other day, actually a Fox article, that talked about their senior general, the, the most senior, their basically their chairman of the Joint Chiefs, basically said that the German army is, is, is worthless. It can't fight. It's, you know, I, I was stunned when I read that article. It was, in fact, just came out the other day. So I think NATO needs to re do a relook. I think the, the primary members need to do some hard looking at it on, on what's going forward. Uh, and, and because it, they look just very, very weak overall. And then you look at the United States, and don't think that foreign leaders don't look at it. They look at the, what our focus is. They know we have open borders. 
in, in the South. We let that go through. It's a woke culture. We have individual divisions going forward, and it's not focused on the primary things we should be focused on. And I think we, we that's one of the reasons we pay a price. There's a real fragmentation of society, and our, and our opponents see that. I think people see what, what this uh, PC culture, this cancel culture, uh, this uh, Marxist uh, ideology that is the foundation now of the radical Democrat Party. Uh, it, we've learned a lot, I believe, in these last uh, weeks, and uh, I think that'll make us stronger going forward, I hope, uh, certainly. Uh, General, uh, you get the last word here. Well, look, I, I just think, uh, you know, when you look at uh, what we're seeing today, I think a lot of people out there uh, would say, you know, I didn't really mind the mean tweets. I think we're okay. We should have had somebody like a Trump in charge. We wouldn't be here. Very candidly, Lou, you know, we wouldn't be, and I really mean this because I was in the White House with him for four years, we wouldn't be where we're at. It wasn't necessarily a 100% deal in everything we did, but he was able to keep the hand on the tiller and keep a lot of respect out there. Right. And leaders, uh, you know, you know, leaders might say to him, well, we don't respect you, but we do fear you. And I think there's yeah. nothing wrong with that when the president made it very clear he would protect American interests all the time, everywhere, um, day or night. So it is what it is, and we'll just have to deal with it, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, and, and so it goes. General, we appreciate it, General Kellogg. Uh, you're a, a great American, and we are delighted that you had time to talk with us, and I hope you come back soon. All the best. Thanks, Lou. Thanks for having me. General Keith Kellogg, thank you again for being with us. There are a rising number of questions, millions of questions, it seems, but among them, whether the United States will, under this weak Biden administration, come to a sense of humanitarian obligation to support and to protect the Ukrainian people in the face of this Russian invasion of their country. The United Nations won't. The UN has again demonstrated its capacity for both absurdity of purpose and fatuous pronouncements on geopolitics and all too obvious institutional irrelevance. NATO won't nor the European Union, at least as long as the callous and cowardly Germans fear that Putin will cut off their energy supplies. And the more the Ukrainian military and civilian resistance succeed in stopping the Russian offensive, the worse it looks for Putin. It's much too early to say Putin's dream of reconstituting the old Soviet Union has died in Ukraine, but with each passing day that Ukraine stalls the Russian advance, the more likely it is we'll see the strengthening of a rising insurgency against Putin's invaders. And with Western humanitarian and military aid, Ukraine might just prevail against Russia, despite the crushing power of the forces that Putin has unleashed on Ukraine. Despite all Putin's advantages and his new strategic partnership with communist China, it is suddenly possible that NATO and the Biden White House just might follow President Zelensky's courageous leadership and support Ukraine and the Ukrainians in their struggle to survive the despot Putin and his invasion of their homeland. Joining us now is Tom Fitton. Tom is the president of the leading government watchdog group, Judicial Watch, Tom, the United States has done to this point almost nothing to support Ukraine. NATO and the EU are doing as little as well. Germany actually insulting Ukraine by sending 5,000 helmets to them. So much weakness in the West. Your reaction to the Russian invasion, 
and the strong Ukrainian stand against Putin. You know, I'm, I'm old fashioned. I blame Putin for invading Ukraine, you know, to be clear. <laughs> Uh, but he's taking advantage of a situation that in part has been created uh, by uh, the uh, incompetence and corruption and uh, moral obtuseness of this administration. Joe Biden and his administration have been distracted at best, inept in, in their entirety uh, at worst, and weak. Mr. Biden is weak watching the press deal with him today. Uh, they treated him as they should have been treating him from the outset uh, as a man who is not a successful communicator and a man who is obviously not interested in the public's right to know what his government is doing. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of there are two big issues here. There's the president's personal failures, right, and policy failures. Mm -hmm. And then there's this, in my view, and uh, the, the epiphany as, as you kind of explain what's happening, is that we have the failure of our whole national security and foreign policy establishment that we spent trillions, trillions, if you want to include the Defense Department, trillions on to prevent exactly this sort of catastrophe we're seeing in Ukraine right now. You know, I, I, and let's go, let's go back two years ago. Remember what's going on two years ago in our Ukraine embassy in, the in, 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 uh, in Kiev? They were they were focused on spying on you, Lou. Remember, they're gathering vividly, vividly. <laughs> they were gathering you and others, uh, critics, uh, social media posts to track what you were saying about the corrupt ambassador there, Ivanovich, and Soros and Biden and company. Right. So that that's what our State Department was doing in Ukraine two years ago, and right now we don't have a State Department in Ukraine because we had to flee the country. Do you think the two are connected? I do. Do you think that plays a role in the policy? I mean, this is an interesting question you pose because does that relationship play a role in Biden uh, administration foreign policy, specifically with Ukraine? The Putin propaganda is that Ukraine is a vassal of the United States to be used for corrupt purposes. How does not how does Biden's corruption there not fall into that. Look, Judicial Watch has documents showing that the State Department goons that were targeting Trump for trying to blow, blow the whistle on what Ukraine was doing with Biden in terms of corruption and Russia and things like that, they knew that Biden was compromised. They talked about Russia trolling Biden. He's going there three days before President Trump's inauguration in 2017, a Russian-linked newspaper is saying, is he here to protect his business interests? And uh, uh, one of the officials there, remember Mr. Kent, who testified against Trump, yep. emails Kovanovich, the ambassador. Uh, uh, this is the, Burisma is the gift that keeps on giving. So they knew he was compromising our, our situation there. So you have this corruption involving uh, US government officials, Vice President Biden, through his son, Hunter, you had Hunter taking in money from the wife and widow of a Russian oligarch. Remember, Burisma is a Ukrainian country, a company, but it was a Russia-leaning company that uh, was run by a member of the cabinet of the Ukrainian leader who fled to Russia after he was ousted. So uh, Biden was compromised six ways to Sunday by Putin, and I'm sure Putin looked at all of that 
and calculated what what do I have to worry about if I want to do what I want in Ukraine? Because heck, uh, you know, as I said, the propaganda was the United States was doing what they wanted. Why can't I do it quite literally? A great, a great point, a great series of points. And it also plays into the answer to the question that was asked repeatedly uh, of President Biden today. And that is, why not put the why not put sanctions against uh, President Putin today? Why not today? And the answer was never forthcoming. Perhaps Tom Fitton has provided an answer. Yeah, uh, you know, and that goes to the general policy approach of, of the deep state and our foreign policy establishment and such, which is the one, uh, you know, which is weakness in the face of aggression. And, you know, look, I don't want to see a war with Russia over Ukraine, but we should have made it clear to Russia there would have been severe consequences beyond sanctions, which have a demonstrated record of not deterring aggression. Uh, and, you know, I don't necessarily have the solution. But one way to do uh, one way to protect yourself in terms of the policy implications of what happened in Ukraine is to show that you're strong by bolstering your defense, increasing your energy capacity, not undermining it through green energy initiatives that um, uh, tear the legs out from anyone who wants to stand up against Putin's uh, aggression, like in Germany and here in the United States. Uh, You know, there are sorts of things you do to strengthen the West as opposed to weaken it. Right. through the socialist green energy and, and as I say, corrupt policies that uh, really just serve to advance the goals of certain policy uh, you know, extremists as opposed to defending our national security. I mean, if there's one thing we can conclude now, green energy is a national security risk in these initiatives because they've made us weak and they've made the West weak in the face of Russia aggression because the green energy initiatives in, in Germany and elsewhere have made them more dependent, ironically, on Russia than less dependent. And, you know, it's a long ball game and um, we ain't playing it well. No, to, to be kind, we're not playing well. This administration, though, is sort of the, uh, you know, the, the derivative of the Obama administration. And the follow, uh, following these, uh, these sort of curves, that fit into governance in America. Uh, This curve starts in the Obama administration and rests now in the Biden administration, and it's uh, lead from behind. It is a a ridiculous assumption that you can get away with misjudgments like, yes, we're all about green energy, and devil take the hindmost if you think that uh, we lose all of our fossil fuel and petroleum industry uh, because we don't really need them, because we are pure of heart, and we are seeking uh, the ideal and a uh, sustainable utopia, which isn't going to be available for decades, for crying out loud. Do you agree? I agree. And Putin looks at our priorities, whether it be on energy, on um, our military with critical race train, critical race theory, and uh, you know the other uh, social engineering programs going on in our military. Mm-hmm. He sees a corrupted White House. He sees President Biden's health challenges, which are evident to everyone, but we're not allowed to talk about evidently here in Washington, D.C. But you can bet Putin notices it. You can bet all of our friends and allies and adversaries see this. 
And, to, and you know, it's it's led to, um, it, you know, as I said, I blame Putin for invading Ukraine, uh, but we have to understand that Putin responds to the weakness he perceives. And I think this aggression is evidence of that. And in that weakness, there's some there are some overt messages, including the time when he uh, sought it, I guess, to uh, appear as though it was a mistake uh, when he referred to a minor incursion that we'd simply have to talk about. Uh, that was in the minds of many, and I think probably correctly, uh, a signal to Putin that a minor incursion would be quite fine uh, with this uh, this president. Uh, it, it's very difficult to understand what Joe Biden is doing as president, isn't it? Yeah, you know, many of our friends have said he cared more about Ukrainian's borders than uh, Ukraine's borders than our southern borders. I I don't believe he cares about either. Uh, you know, I, I, I think you know how else? You know, it seems like our policy is almost encouraged this type of incursion, to put it charitably. Uh, mm -hmm. both in Ukraine and obviously we know uh, we can go on at some length about uh, the invasion in our southern border. But uh, uh, you know, the transnational left and progressives, uh, they don't care about borders. They care about their their policies being um, promoted. Uh, and Putin is offensive to them because it gets in the way of their agenda, as as we were talking about a little bit before we went on air here. You know, John Kerry was upset that it's distracting from his climate change agenda. These folks are a menace to our national security with their priorities. John Kerry, uh, as Tom Fitton is saying, said this today about uh, President Putin. I hope President Putin, imagine this in the middle of an invasion of Ukraine, saying, I hope President Putin will help us to stay on track. Those are direct quotes with, quote, what we need to do for the climate, in quote. Now, we can talk about that being rich in irony. Uh, a, a tone deaf uh, John Kerry is nothing new. But when it is also juxtaposed against one of the most frightening developments of the day among many, and that is Russian forces capturing the radioactive still and deadly dangerous Chernobyl nuclear power plant, according to the prime minister of Ukraine. They have taken charge of it. And to think that we have Kerry braying about Putin staying on course about what we need to do for our climate. If Europe wasn't frightened before, where then I don't know what it would take to, to reach their, both their imagination uh, and their hearts. Well, for the corrupted ideologues that are running our country, the jobs that the American people expect them to do, which is to protect our national security, preserve our defense, preserve economic liberty, you know, make sure that we don't have to worry about uh, a, a dangerous Putin or a dangerous China. They see all that work as a distraction because they prefer to be pushing this radical climate change agenda their CRT agenda, uh, you name it. Uh, and they see the basic work that the American people expect from their elected leaders as a distraction, yep. as opposed to their core mission. Exactly. But it appears he is on very bad footing uh, to deal with the Ukrainian invasion by Russia. Yeah, you know, I was thinking um, 
always thought it was very interesting to see on Twitter everyone talk about um, well I got I got COVID I'm glad I got the vaccine which I thought was kind of an odd <laughs> it is it is a brain twister isn't it You're right and now that's been replaced as uh, Putin invaded Ukraine I'm glad Biden's president I'm glad Trump isn't president even better yeah uh, you know that it's this odd construct we're supposed to buy but it's typical for the left. Now, when they when they killed our people in Benghazi, it was a testament to to Trump uh, to Obama's leadership. That's what we were told by the White House. Exactly. When Biden uh, surrendered in Afghanistan and killed Americans on the way out through his ineptitude and abandoned to this day Americans there, it was a success. And now uh, Putin's invasion is supposed to be treated as a uh, success in. Uh, Biden keeping our allies together uh, while not actually able to prevent the carnage we're seeing today in, in Ukraine. I mean, you know, we, we talk about these issues, sometimes we laugh about them, but this corruption and incompetence, it's, it's getting people killed unnecessarily. And it's these poor innocents in Ukraine. Ukraine didn't deserve to be invaded. Ukraine is not a perfect country. It didn't deserve to be invaded. It didn't have to happen if we had better leadership from the United States and, and the left. But, you know, I, maybe it was inevitable because these are the consequences of a failing um, uh, West uh, that is more focused on uh, lining its own pockets and advancing extremist agendas as opposed to, as I say, doing what it's supposed to do, which is to secure its citizens and, and, and ensure strong national defenses. And there's one other irony in this that, that doesn't escape us, and that is a president, President Biden, actually saying, bragging about uh, when asked about how did he know that the invasion was imminent when he said that, what, 10 days ago, I hadn't even called the invasion date as last uh, Wednesday uh, incorrectly again. He said, we have a, an intelligence apparatus of great significance uh, or something to that effect, uh, bragging about the intelligence that he was getting, which was pretty good. But for him to be bragging about the intelligence on this, one would have hoped that the intelligence agencies would have had a better sense of this, a better gotten something of a whiff of it six months ago rather than uh, six days uh, before its occurrence. Your thoughts? Yeah, and invasions like this don't happen overnight. So that's why we go back to the earlier part of our conversation where we exposed that the State Department when it came to Ukraine and our military establishment in the in the in the person of cult of, of uh, Mr. Vindman, right? Yeah. Uh, was more focused on destroying Trump for highlighting corruption in that area involving US government officials as opposed to uh, and, and, and spying on Americans to do what it looks like. Yeah. yeah so, they, so why would we think, and we knew whether their focus was until Biden came in on destroying Trump, their focus still is kind of on destroying Trump in advance, in addition to advancing their radical extremist agenda. And, you know, uh, oh, you know, and then they decide to listen in on Putin when it becomes clear that he decided to invade after, you know, Oh, we has 130,000 troops on the border. Maybe we should focus on that then now. I mean, Lord help us. Yeah, Lord well. help us. And what's concerning about this is these folks who've lied to us about Russia for years were expected to now trust them now. 
Well, I've, I've helped. Jake Sullivan, national security advisor, Hillary's guy, lied about Russiagate. Now he's running our Russia policy for Biden. Again, Lord protect this country. Indeed, Tom. We need all the help we can get. Tom Fenton, thanks for being with us and for your views. Tom, president of Judicial Watch, a great organization devoted to protecting America and Americans. Thank you for being with us here on The Great America Show. God bless you, and God bless America. Join us again tomorrow for The Great America Podcast. Stay in the fight. Truth, justice, and the American way will prevail against all enemies, against all odds. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.